First of all, bro, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show, our Jordan brand brother. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, just thank you for uh, giving us the time with you, bro. Thanks for having me, D. I appreciate y'all having me here, man. I'm honored to be here. Honored. When you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? <laughs> it was a few people. I would say Carl Malone was my first real introduction. But the thing about Carl was, like it was a side screen, a roll, and the cross, the, the, mm -hmm. the cross screen action. So you, he got forty, and you never really you felt like, what just happened? <laughs> it was forty and fifteen. And I'm looking at the stat sheet, like he just had forty and fifteen. And Utah, they run down the court and cross every <laughs> single time. Right. Then right. John Stockton sitting them strong little, yeah. little picks on yeah. y'all, right? yeah, know? yeah. So and his arms is like, <laughs> yeah, and he and he holding the screen too. It's not like the screens set today. He really hitting you. So yeah. it was it was Carl, and I say my first introduction before Carl was Sean Kemp. Kemp, Kemp got Dang, me in the preseason. Man. It was. It was terrifying. It was everything that I imagined it was gonna be. It was it was in Milwaukee, but the rain was. He came. He brought oh, it. Okay. So yeah, Raymond. <laughs> Yo, 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 we live on location. We here in Orlando, city beautiful. I got the blackest one and we coming to you live on location with a special, special guest, man. We got some of that 90s, real, real OG basketball in the building. We got the original team member from the Jordan brand when it all yeah. started out, man. Multiple time, all-star, big time, big time, Olympian, all that. We got Mr. Vin Baker, our big bro in the yeah. building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Presented by Sleeper. Old Saybrook. Tell us about Old Saybrook coming up. You said it wasn't really a basketball community yeah. like that. Small town in Connecticut. Um, my parents, you know, migrated from the south and moved to Connecticut just to... Okay moved to a different place and moved from the South. So I grew up in Old Saber, Connecticut, beautiful little town. And um, like I said, it wasn't a hotbed for basketball. Yeah. My parents were super strict. My dad was a pastor, is a pastor. And so it was school and church for me. And mm. so, um, but I had the passion for basketball. I love, you know, basketball like anybody else did. And, um, and just worked my way through, you know, the crevices and, I was a late bloomer, yeah. Um, but I was passionate about the sport like anybody else. Who put the ball in your hand? Like, how you start? Because you say your pops is a pastor, and I know with the church, you got to run the church seven days <laughs> yeah. a week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But so who put the ball in your hand to make you start loving it? Or what, you, what did you see to make you start liking it? Yeah, so I watched it a lot. Like, I'm, I'm a 70s. I was born in the 70s, but I was like, uh, 80s baby, like yeah. watching Dr. J, Magic, Bird. You know, there wasn't a lot of basketball mm -hmm. on TV. So you got the Lakers, the 76ers, the Celtics, you know, every Sunday. And so just sitting down in front of the TV watching them made me passionate about it. I'm like, and it wasn't about being in the NBA. I just wanted to do what they did. It was what they did. I wanted to, you know, handle the ball like Magic, shoot like Bird, fly like Dr. J. So, and then of course, MJ, when MJ came in the 90s, I wanted to be like all of them, man. So <laughs> that's where it started. How was it when you started going to Florida for the summers? Like when you started going to Florida for the summers yeah. and, you know, being in Connecticut where the basketball ain't really 
all that to going to Florida where it's football, basketball, like they outside, weather yes, good. Yes, like, yes. like how was them summers for you? So shout out to Lake Wells, Florida. That's where I was born. Yeah. And that's where my family is. And, um, you know, my cousins, my parents sent me home every summer back yeah. to Lake Wells. I was born in Lake Wells. So they sent me to Lake Wells with my grandmother every summer. And so when I was inside up north, but when I came home to Lake Wells, I was outside. Yeah. This is a football state and my cousins was tough. So we used to go to the court and they used to, you know, just kick my behind all the time, man. Like hmm. until I got tough, you know, they made me compete. They were stronger than me, faster than me. I was only like six, two, six, three when I was younger. Yeah. I grew late. My growth spurt came when I was like 18, 19. Damn. So, you know, I was like six, two, six, three when I was 13 and 14. So my mm. growth spurt. So I was trying to do football. I was trying to do everything they was doing. But they hardened me, though. They toughened me yeah, up. toughened you up. And got me to a point where my passion for the sport, the fact that they were making me tough every summer, and then all I had to do was grow at that point. Tell us about going to UConn camp every summer, where every time they threw a camp, like, tell, yeah. us, tell us that. So it was, it was, like, again, I said I was a late bloomer. And so I started going to, I went to UConn twice, my junior year, right before my junior year, and right before my senior year. And... Um, Again, there was more talent, there was better talent than me in Connecticut at the time. Mm -hmm. But I was game, so I went there right before my junior year, I got better. You know, my sophomore year I played JV, mm -hmm. and then I came back after the UConn camp, averaged like 16 points, nine rebounds a game my junior how year. How tall were you your junior year? 6'6". Six, six. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was just still, my body was aching. You know how, do you yeah. know how, my like, knees hurt, knees, eyes get slotted, all that stuff. <laughs> right. My body was hurting for no reason. Yeah. And, um, but it helped me though. You know, like, again, I was game. And then by the time I went my, before my senior year, in that summer, I just got better, man, and, and started dominating. I started feeling like dominance when I went there the Did second you grow time. more between junior and senior year? I didn't. I grew like an, Inch, like man. one more inch. I was like six seven my junior year, and then six seven my senior year. But my growth spurt, the big one, came when I went. When I was a senior in high school. I grew four inches going into my freshman year in college. Mm. So I was six seven, and then six eleven. That was my big growth spurt. But it helped me because I was handling. You know, what yeah, man. I was I, like was, I was growing wing. up growing up like a guard in a wing. Yeah. So since you was a late bloomer, what was the college that you really wanted to go to? Man, being in Connecticut. You know, I wanted to go to UConn. Yeah. And at the time, too, the University of Rhode Island was rolling. This was pre-Lamar Odom, yeah. pre-Catino. They were rolling. They had this dude named Kenny Green that was from um, Connecticut that was a monster. They had actually gone to the Sweet 16 my, right before my senior year. Mm. And so I took a visit there, but they didn't offer me a scholarship because, again, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that level at mm. the time. So it was Rhode Island and, and UConn, but by the grace of God, man, I got one offer, and that was from the University of Hartford. Like, your game, when I started really paying attention to your game, your game wasn't a typical center game. Like, mm -hmm. uh, to compare, I say, Akeem, your footwork, mm -hmm. like the way you play, when did that start getting in your game when you got to college? When I got to college, dude, it was crazy because, you know, my freshman year I averaged four points a game, but then right. my sophomore year I averaged 20 points a game. Yeah. And so going to a small school was a blessing to disguise because I got a chance to do everything. Yeah. Take the ball off the rim, dribble it up the court, work in the post. I got to do everything at the University of Hartford. So that's really where my footwork 
developed. And my junior and senior year, my junior year, I was, I think, like 28.5 points a game and my senior year, like 28 a game. And so I was tripled and quadruple team and double team all the time in college. So it made me figure out how to, the how to use, because I was so desperate and thirsty to score. Yeah, It made me figure out how to beat double teams, how to beat triple teams, keep my dribble yeah. in the post, outside the post. So that's really where the footwork really developed. Because by the time I got to the league, my first two years, I was like, there's no way they guard me with one person. It was crazy yeah, yeah. to me. Centers, the, the old traditional centers. Right. Seven foot, slow guys. Yeah, and physical. Just, just strong, they could right, move. Right, but my footwork, they were stronger than me, but my footwork was better. So, yeah, most yeah. definitely. How yeah. was it for you going from averaging, you know, four points and, you know, pretty much figuring out your body after growing like that. Then you get to your senior year and you at little old Hartford, mm -hmm. but you got the, you know, the whole Sports Illustrated calling you the best kept secret. Yeah. How was that when you started getting that type of attention going from where you came from? It was crazy, Q, because at the time, I knew what I was doing on at the University of Hartford, but I also knew that Chris Webber was out there. Right. Hardaway was out right. there. I, I, I was aware that I was doing damage, but I was doing it at a Lower level. Lower level, mm -hmm. but it kept me hungry though. I was like, those dudes are getting recognition. They're at Michigan, they're at Memphis. I felt it being called the nation's best kept secret was great for me and my college, but at the same time, I was at a place where mentally like, this ain't it. Right. Yeah. There's more, like I really want national attention. Yeah. Like, and to get the national attention, I'm going to have to bring it to somebody nationally. I'm going to have to bring yeah. it to C-Web. I'm going to have to bring it to Juwan and all the best ones. Yeah. So as great as my college career was, I was very aware that there was another level of basketball player that I had yet to accomplish and yet to go against. Mm -hmm. Like back in them days, like Streets and Smith and like the magazines, they mm -hmm. was like yeah. they was like the social media these days. Right. You know what I'm saying? When you go viral. Yeah. To hear that you about to be on Sports Illustrated, which by then Sports Illustrated had magic, they had all these these professional and these big time guys on there to even do the article. How was it when you first heard that call? I mean, it was it was super dope, man, because the actual photo shoot, it was all the athletes that were in the school. So they got all the athletes out yeah. of class. Oh, that's at dope. least the majority of them. Yeah some of them, and to do this one photo where everybody had their, their finger over their mouth, like, shh, the nation's yeah. best kept secret. So it was kind of cool to have the whole university involved, have yeah. all my fellow student athletes involved in. But again, D, like at the same time, I was so humble, man. Like I was happy that I was getting the attention, but I still, the basketball side of me was like, man, I gotta, I gotta prove this. Yeah, You know, I wasn't winning, you yeah. know, my junior year in, in um, college, I averaged 28.5 points a game, but we only won six games. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out how to, to win too. It was, the accolades were great. I was happy that I was getting the attention, but I knew it was another level too. Was it crazy for you to see, like, you had wanted to go to UConn, you went to the camps and all that, and now it was rumors like, Coach Calhoun wants you to transfer to UConn. Like, what was that type of feeling like? So it was it was cool, man, like to know that I was wanted. I had a ton of opportunities to leave the University of Hartford, but because of my mom and my dad, my upbringing, the loyalty that University of Hartford showed me and my family, it was like far fetched. Right. I could have I could have left to go to the pros my junior year. I could have left to transfer to other schools. 
the loyalty that the University of Hartford has shown to me, man. And I also was smart enough to realize, like, what if I do go and transfer it? And I'm one of 10. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to develop if I go to UConn and you got Daniel Marshall's coming. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had uh, Ray Allen's, all these other yeah. players are coming. You know, I, I'm doing damage here. I, I think I might want to stay here and develop my game as opposed to going and being one of 10. Right. I'm one of one here. And you have to sit out a whole year. Practice. Right. You have to right. sit out a whole year if you transfer. Ain't that transfer portal like that. Yeah. <laughs> ain't one back there. No. When you no. first heard that NBA scouts or the league scouts was was looking at you or, or giving you an eye, knowing that, you know, the, the big-time schools, they guys get most of the looks, you know, from the NBA mm-hmm. scouts before they'll go and get a small school guy. Back then, they really weren't looking as many small mm-hmm. school guys as they were looking at the North Carolinas, the Dukes, mm-hmm. the whoever it was. When you first heard that it was a possibility for you to go to the league, something that you've been watching your whole childhood, what was your reaction to that? Super excited, D. Like, I mean, to hear your name mentioned in NBA drafts right. in the NBA circle, like y'all know DQ, it's crazy. Like it's a dream. Without the dream even happening, it's a dream coming true yeah. in the process of it. But the most important thing I think, it gives you a different swag. Mm-hmm. It gives you a different <laughs> confidence. Mm-hmm. You, you know DQ, like you walk on the court, and I'm at the University of Hartford, so I didn't come with a bunch of accolades and a yeah. bunch of that the McDonald's All-Americans came. So now when my name is mentioned with going to the draft and potentially being a lottery pick, when we're underground meeting the UConn players to play at such and such gym in Connecticut, y'all know what it is. (laughs) I I don't have, like, and there were great players at the University of Connecticut, Scott Burrell and Mm, Chris Smith and all these. Mm -hmm. So when we go to these gyms and go underground where there's no lights and cameras and no act, you know, no media and, no rankings, then we gonna get to it. So I was really establishing myself underground before I became, you know, yeah. in, in, in the tabloids about being a lottery pick. That's where my street cred was better than my media cred. Yeah, yeah. And people knew underground, like I was getting to it. So, yeah. but to have people talk about it was just added to what, what I was already doing. It's like, it's like having a mixtape. Mm-hmm. Right, and then getting signed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I had the buzz, but I just had to get signed. Word. How many workouts did you go on when you finally came out and started going through the process? Q, I went, it's crazy because I went to like six workouts for the draft because, again, I had to, I didn't go to um, Portsmouth. Right, yeah. Well, I didn't do any of the senior tournaments postseason. So I worked out for the Pistons, I worked out for the Golden State Warriors. I worked out for Sacramento. I worked out for a lot of teams. Interestingly enough, I went eighth, but the Pistons were nine and 10. My workout with the Pistons was so horrible. I heard them when I left the draft. They were like, we weren't gonna take. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Like my draft workout was horrible for them. They, they ended up taking Allen Houston and Lindsey Hunter in that draft. Mm-hmm. I but, um, but I worked out for a lot of people because for me, it was like, I got a, you know, I got a, that small school stigma was still there. Like we saw him do it against Vermont and Maine. Yeah. Can he do it right. at this level? So that's why one of the reasons I worked out for so many people. You didn't go to the did you go to the draft? I did. I went, went to, to Detroit. The, how yeah. Was that, was, how was that experience? It was Once great. The draft and shaking the commissioner's hand. It yeah. was great. And the, I think the the most amazing part of that draft for me was I didn't know where I was going. Yeah. I had no idea. Like Milwaukee was my worst like 
Detroit and Milwaukee were my worst workouts. Mm -hmm. Milwaukee was my worst workout because he pushed me to the max. Coach Dunleavy was also the GM at, as well. And man, like three or four times in that draft workout, I was like, man, I'm I'm done. I'm not doing it I anymore. hated teams that did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, come on, bro. You just, you just trying to burn me out, right. run all my gas out. Just yeah, bro, I'm a, I don't want to do the workout the anymore. Right. <laughs> so when I got to the draft, sitting at the table, it's one thing to have all your dreams in that room. Like I knew I would possibly be lottery. I was, I was pretty much guaranteed that Denver would take me at nine, but I didn't know Milwaukee was gonna take me at eight. And that's, so that made the dream even that more amazing. Yeah. How was it for like your pops to see your growth and you falling in love with basketball, especially coming up through a church and you done found a sport that you love and you know, Sometimes we play on Sundays, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. how was that for your pops to see the growth and the levels of, that you were going to and then finally get to the draft and, and see his son, Father yeah. Baron Shake and the commissioner? Hand? Yeah. So when my dad did, it was crazy because I watched him watch me. Like my dad's faith and his belief in God and you know him becoming a minister and a pastor, like I watched him be like my faith in everything that I've worked for and believed in has come to fruition through my son. So he, you know, he had a pastor mentality. My dad's super quiet, laid back, mm -hmm. but I watched him not only be proud, but I watched him also believe like my faith has come to fruition. Mm -hmm. My kid has made it. Yeah. And so that was, that was a joy to see him happy and to see my mom just as happy as well. My mom worked for two years after I went to the league. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit, they still weren't <laughs> adapting, to, adapting it, yeah. to it or believed yeah. it yet. Yeah, um, They both worked for like two years. So I, I was happy to um, uh, see them happy and get them in a space where they could finally, you know, retire. Your rookie year, you, you get to Milwaukee, Midwest. The first year for you, how did you feel about the first year being in the league, the highest level you can go? So I was, I was um, I'm a basketball fan. An NBA fan, so I was in all. Y'all know this, didn't you? Right. You're in all every game, <laughs> right? You're in all that I'm here. I mean, like just being on my team. Like no disrespect to my teammates, and but my teammates were like stars to me. Yeah, because of the talent level. So part of me was like, I made it. I'm here. I can't believe that's that's Frank Bukowski. That's Ty Day. That's Lee Mayberry. But then the competitive side is like later for that, man. It's time to get to it, right? Yeah. So I had to be a fan. And then I had to be the eighth pick in the draft. Expectations. The expectations had to kick in. When you start playing against these, uh, it's Ewan, it's Lonzo Mourning, it's, you know, Lajuan, David Robinson. And like I said, your game was, was like smoother. More footwork, you can dribble, you can shoot. The adjustment mm -hmm. on, on defense, you know, you got to guard bigger guys, but they got to guard you. What did you start seeing that you can get success at? Yeah, the physicality was crazy. Like, I found myself getting pinned, like, almost every and night. Power forwards and them centers were strong. Both of them. Four and five. Four and five. Like, it's crazy. Like, Big it, boy. It, that, right, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, cats who didn't even get the, the superstar recognition, there was monsters in the league. Yeah. Not just from scoring Oakley and rebounding. Them. Oakley and Mason. Mason. You have to go to New York and see Oakley, Mason, and Ewing. Yeah. yeah. All on one venue. Yeah. Like, the physicality was the first thing I was like, wow, this is crazy, man. Like, 
But I, what I did realize, and we talked about this earlier, D, like my footwork was going to be the gift yeah. or what got me through. I couldn't get pinned. I was like, I got to use my quickness and things that I've been gifted with to survive. It wasn't even about being an all-star. It was just, I need to not get pinned. You know, in <laughs> that time, it was just floppies, like yeah. just pin down post. Yeah. It wasn't all this moving around. So the physicality and the speed of the game, you're going to see right away if somebody can do it or not. Right. Yeah. One of the things I loved about centers, I felt like Carl Malone did it, man, probably the best out of anybody, the seal. Like yeah. you're saying, pin. Like a seal a person under the net where they ain't moving. They put that anchor down and they ain't moving back in the day. Yeah. They ain't moving. It's not in the game today. No. And then was used to be some of the most easiest buckets to either get fouled on or to get you a layup on. Right. What you think about that, like, how is that's not in the game no more where guys is really sealing guys under the goal like how they used to? It's amazing because the three-point game has just changed the mentality. It's changed the plays, and it's just changed the mentality of the big. Yeah. You know, you guys, when that, that word, and D, you might have been classified as one, like, when that word stretch forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Then yeah. they moved it to the stretch five. Yeah. I'm like, they moved it to the stretch five too? When did, they, <laughs> like, when did they move it to the stretch five? So when the stretch four and stretch five became like like KG, Nowitzki, yeah. Nowitzki, and all them, that became sexy. Hmm. And all that physicality kind of went out the game based on the style of play. But being a coach, I think the great part of being a coach right now is that I get an opportunity working with Bobby, Brooke, and Giannis those nuances of the game, I literally can whisper in their ear, like if Giannis is getting a cross screen or Bobby's getting a cross screen, I'll tell him, hey, stop in the paint. Stop in the paint, right just in front of the goal. Mm -hmm. You know, just stop. Don't let him push you to the box. Exactly, yeah. because the advantage is we're giving you the advantage. If he sets that cross screen, if you stop, they can only push you they so can only far, push exactly. yeah. right? So those type of nuances I get to teach from the 90s, the physicality and yeah. stuff. because. As much as it doesn't feel like in the 90s it was a thinking man's game, because yeah. of the physicality and speed, it was a thinking man's game. But no, you, you had to, because there was some big, strong motherfuckers right. out there. So right. you had to know once you beat your man, it's a seven-foot strong <laughs> right. <laughs> right there right. that's waiting every time. I mean, think how great Reggie Miller was in the 90s, man, and, yeah. and they got a chance to hand check and hold, and hold you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, imagine the freedom he'd have to run yeah. now, man, and how fast it would be crazy. Let me ask you this. This is my guy. He's one of my favorite, all-time favorite players, mm -hmm. Big Dog. Yeah. You know, when he got drafted and you heard that he, he asked for the 100 mil, <laughs> like, what was your thought process to that? Because guys had never, which I, it was well-deserved because he was a dog coming out of, yeah. out of college, but just to see how the money went from that to where they changed and put a cap on it. Yeah, so the crazy thing about that, D, in hindsight, like the year prior was my draft. Yeah. Chris Webber got 72. Yeah. Right. Dog just asked for 68. So it really mm. was like in the wheel. It was in the, he was the number yeah, one in the wheelhouse. Right? Yeah. It was a wheelhouse of, I think because of the market and, and where we were, it was made more of a, of a bigger thing, like the 68 million over 10 years. But let me be clear, Glenn Big Dog Robinson was worth every penny. Every penny. Boy. Every penny. <laughs> like, let me be clear, Glenn Robinson was a monster coming out of college. Yeah. He was, and he was on every TV show, every magazine, magazine. everything. Jason Kidd and Greg Hill were in that draft. Nobody said they should go before him. Yeah. Period. 
because, you know what I mean, he was just a beast, man. To, to clarify this, too, because me and QB try to tell people this all the time, no disrespect to Grant Hill and Jay Kidd, but Big Dog Pose the one rookie of the year. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I, the only reason he didn't win it is because he held out for the money, in my humble opinion. Yeah. You, we you say do your homework on him. Yeah. Like, we say the same You do thing. your homework. He averaged 22 <laughs> points a game as a rookie. <laughs> yeah. Fresh and, off hold out. Right. <laughs> and, and 22 points a game in 1995 is like 30. Yeah. yeah. Now, as yeah. a rookie, too? As a rookie. So the only reason he did not make or win co-rookie or maybe split it three ways is because of the, the holdout. And also, dog. Dog, y'all had Dog on the show, yeah, right? Yeah. A real one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dog, in his interviews, he's not going to be politically yeah, correct and say man. what you want him to say. But be clear, like, Glenn Robinson was a bucket. Like, like at his first year, he may have been one of the most prolific scorers in the league at that time. Yeah. I watched my big bro, but I watched great defenders like Stacey Augman and mm, Pippen. Plastic man. <laughs> Great defenders just struggle. That that slide back, you <laughs> know the one. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. Q with the high heart. Yeah, I used to get hit with that all the time. I used to be like, dang, he getting to it. Like I, you know, I got a chance to to watch it close up. Like he getting to it. Like when the wings were a thing, yeah. defensively and offensively. What year did you feel like you started to to set your feet in and and you start to have big time success? So what you know the crazy thing, Nick, like. My rookie season, 1993, was the inaugural rookie game mm-hmm. at the oh, okay. All-Star weekend. Yeah. And I was the eighth pick, and they took the top 16 people. And I didn't make that game. My first half of my rookie season didn't really go that well. A lot of people don't, don't know that because of the success that I had thereafter. But my, my rookie season heading into All-Star break was a dud. And then when I came back from... The All-Star break, I literally watched the All-Star game. I'm like, dang, I don't know if it's disrespect or I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to do as the eighth pick. So fast fact, I didn't make that game, the rookie All-Star game, in February. By April or June when the awards came out, I was unanimous all-rookie. Myself, Mm -hmm. Penny, and C. Webb were unanimous all-rookie choices. So from February to the end of the season, went crazy. (laughs) So that's when I really started. And then by the second year, I missed, my first year I missed the rookie game, rookie all-star game. My second year I was in the actual all-star game. Mm So that's how, how was that walking into that room with you know you got the you, you walking in there with MJ and them boys in there like what was that like to be at the All Star game and being a, a member of the team? Man, I, I should have taken a camera and mic with me because I, it was surreal. I felt yeah. like you know this again like what we talked about when I was at the University of Iowa, I understood where I was yeah. on the totem pole. I made the All Star game, yeah, but I'm not him, 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 and him. you got MJ there. You watching top fifty walk. Through the hallway, yeah, and so it was a ama- it was amazing. Q just oh, and to be that there. was the year the top fifty. Yeah, so so my rookie season, I mean, my first year was Phoenix. The second year I made the All Star game was Cleveland. Was that Cleveland, was top fifty. Top 50. Wow. Yeah, that was top fifty when I saw Wilt in the hallway like, and all. How was that? You crazy? Yeah, crazy. Seeing Wilt and Patrick Damn. and all these great, it really put into perspective like. The irony of it is, it's like I made the all-star team, but I ain't really made nothing. That's the pinnacle over there. That's like. the pinnacle right there to see Will Chamberlain, man. And again, I'm a basketball historian, man. So 
it was a blessing to be at the All-Star game, but even cooler to, to be in that in the presence of those greats. When you first heard, because, you know, we all love Mike, when mm-hmm. you first heard that Mike wants you to be a part of Team Jordan, what was your reaction to it? To be honest with you, it was bigger than being drafted. Yeah. And in some ways, like, bigger than being an All-Star. Like, at that point, you know, there's, like, All-Star, All-NBA. You know, there's levels yeah. to the yeah. eliteness. So to, to get the opportunity to have Michael stamp you is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, day one, because I was on the first batch. The first yeah. ever. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. right. right. Yeah. He part of the inaugural. Inaugural. Remember the jump. Yeah. Right? Jump yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the first batch was, like, myself, Ray, Eddie Derek Jones. Eddie Jones, Derek Anderson, Finley. And so me, me and Eddie got an opportunity to have our own shoes. Like mm. we had the power forward and we had like the, the two guard. Yeah. Uh, the, I had the pro strong. So to have Michael stamp you was different. I mean, it's one thing to be an all-star and walk through the arenas. and But now people are like, yo, I need to get some of those. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool, man. Like, I mean, like anybody else growing up, everybody's my, a Michael Jordan fan. Yeah. And, and to have, it was surreal for me to have Michael stamp me, man. Like, I remember being in Seattle. The cool part about it is I got a relationship with him and a friendship with him. And I remember when I got traded to Seattle, we played the Bulls. And, um, well, I wanted to be in this commercial. So the Sonics were really good, man. Like, we were number one in the West at the time. Yeah. And I begged my organization to fly to Chicago, which is like a four hour trip from Seattle. They said yes. And I got to the photo shoot and I have Falk as an agent as well. Yeah, Dave Falk. So I got to the photo shoot all giddy that I'm going to make this little slight cameo in the Brand Jordan commercial. First thing MJ says to me when he's, because we were playing the Utah Jazz the following night. Mm-hmm. And he knew that. And he said to me, what the hell are you doing here? I was like, <laughs> True story. <laughs> And um, I was like, I'm coming for the commercial. He that was like one of my first lessons. Like, nah, bro. Right. That you wanna you in a place now where you winning. This is secondary. So, you know, I learned so many lessons from him being in that brand, man. Not just being stamped for the brand, but just learning about him and his competitive nature. You being there from the get go and the start to see where Jordan Brand is now with Jason Tatum, Zion, and Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook, how it grown. We came in in 2000, it took another step up. Mm-hmm. To see the brand going that far and still it's like the number one brand in the world, how is that to see, like you kind of started and, and was a part yeah, of that? The, the first part. Yeah, it's great. I saw a magazine, man, like a, a something that I Googled search and I saw myself Zion, Luca, and someone else. This is like two years ago where where they were talking about, about the brand. And it was just amazing to see myself on a picture with Zion, Luca, yeah. and, and then yeah. the current guys. And then, of course, Jason and Russell, man, and, yeah. and, and Blake. I mean, it, it's just awesome that that I was a part of the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's, it's family. I, I even, you know, I text with, with, with Paulo now yeah. because he's family, Jordan yeah, family. He's Jordan family. Now we have to play Orlando, <laughs> but he's still my Jordan family. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's a blessing, man. Like 
I, and I'm, I'm trying to – it's funny because I, I have to mentor those guys too, but I have yeah. to play against them too. Mm-hmm. So my mentoring can only go so far when we play against Orlando, but it's, it's a blessing, man. I think that's how I feel with me and Q. As soon as we hear a guy – is signed to Jordan. It's like you instantly part oh, of our man. family. Yes. Because we, we've been part of the Jordan family for so long. It's like you instantly part of the family exactly. once we heard you sign with Jordan. And to me, yeah, it's just like, you know, you was there this summer when we, you know, mm-hmm. go to the brand, uh, I call it the family reunion. Mm-hmm. You know, they call yeah. it the Board of Governors. Yeah. I just call it the Jordan brand family reunion. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody yeah. show up and it's like, I think it's super dope, you know what I'm saying, to have the OGs, like y'all, you know, Ray always on deck, mm-hmm. how you, Bib, and, and, and some of the dudes that really was, like you say, y'all y'all kicked it off. Y'all put the foundation down for this to be doing what it's doing now. So it's dope to see the brand really honor everybody and still hold everybody down because they don't have to. You know right. what I'm saying? They, they definitely don't have to do Absolutely. what they do and extend themselves the way they do for for the OGs and the guys that were, you know, the past guys that came. Because, like, it's crazy, bro, to still be able to receive the things we receive the way we do and from the brand, and, and it ain't cheap. You nah. see them you see them, <laughs> them price tags. Well, I be like, Lord, have mercy. Thank you, God. Like, you know what I'm saying? For like, sure. <laughs> real appreciative, but, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I think it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like you say, with MJ, it's just top shelf with everything, the way, you know what I'm saying, they take care of us and look out for us because we know that they don't have to. So right. I, I just love to, to see all of the OGs. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when I saw you, I was like, oh, gee, what's good? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I, yeah. I was loving that because that's yeah. the way it should be. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Everybody don't do that, but, you know what I'm saying, the brand do it the right way, and I, yeah. I, I love that. And M hit me when we won it two years ago. I was in uh, Greece with Giannis. I had just got into Greece with Giannis, and, and I got an email. And um, I was reading the email, and it could have only been from one person. Right. I, but I was like, he was like, congratulations, so part, so happy you're part of the brand. I mean, that was super dope, man, for yeah. him to email me about the success that we had just had yeah, with the up. team. So to your point, Q, it just feels like family all the time. All it's the not time. just, you know, on the surface with commercials. Exactly. It's behind the scenes. Yeah. It's love. Yeah. And all the people that work with Jordan Brand, if they worked with Jordan Brand for five years and went somewhere else. Yeah. They feel like family coming up, 100%. coming up to you yeah. and looking out for yeah. it. When you got traded, did you know you was gonna get traded, or did it blindside you? It did, dude, because I was I had flown back, I flew back to Milwaukee. We were getting ready for the season, so this was in September. So oh, you know, yeah. like September, you you ramping up yeah. to go. And again, this is 1997. There's no social media. <laughs> yeah. There's no nothing. There's Ain't no, no talk Wolves about bombs. It. No Wolves. Like, would, <laughs> yeah. Wolves was around it, it, during that time. I probably would have had the heads up. Right. But I didn't know, dude. I was actually in the gym working out. And um, one of my coaches, his name was Jim Todd. He came down to the court. I'm, I literally was shooting in the gym, just kind of rent, trying to get ready for the season. And so I was watching people move up top. And I'm like, you know, I'm, at the time I'm me, like ain't not one coach had come down and like helped me rebound or anything. So finally Jim Todd came <laughs> down and I said, um, I jokingly, I said, just tell me what it's gonna be. You know, I was in that space. Like, tell me what it's gonna be. Y'all, y'all trying to move me? Like, he's like, he dropped his head. I was like, huh? <laughs> like y'all really. The true story, to you, like y'all really trade me. He's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's Seattle. So it was a, a damn a shock. Dude. That's just how it happened. So it was a surprise. I was a little bit like, it hurt me yeah. initially. You know how like, you always hate hurt you when you leave your first time. Right. <laughs> it's like you, you're the failure. You're the reason. Yeah. Um, that the team isn't succeeding. So, but obviously, I you know my first year in Seattle, I had great success there.
Tell us about just Seattle is one of the teams that they're trying to bring back to life and give them a – I mean, Seattle is one of the cities that mm-hmm. they're trying to bring back to life and give them a team again, them in Vegas. Just tell us about the culture of Seattle and the basketball culture down there, how rich it is, how the fans always come out and support. What was it, Key Arena? Key Arena. Key yeah. Arena yeah. used to be hype and yeah. loud. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, we got the, but you go in there and, and getting the opportunity to, to play on a, a team that can be at the top of the standings mm-hmm. and, and compete for a championship. Yeah, well, I, I hope and I feel and I've heard that they're going to bring a team back to Seattle in the next few years. It's, a, it's an amazing sports city. I enjoy my time. The fans are great there, blue collar. And I was put into a situation where they were two years removed from going to the finals. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I was traded for Sean. And so to get to the city in that space, man, where they, they had pretty up. much esta- exactly had established themselves as a perennial title contender and two years removed from the finals, it was crazy, man. Like I had a lot to prove, obviously, but the buzz was was there. So, you know, my first year in Seattle was crazy. I think we won like 61 games, got to play with my big bro, GP, which was amazing. The best basketball player I ever played with, you know, as far as the team is concerned on on being on a roster. It's a great city, man. Like, I'm hoping that they get a team back there very soon. Uh, They're yearning for it, man, and they deserve it. I love, I love playing in Seattle, man. Like, going there, like, like you saying, it was a dope city. Like, when you go into the road cities that you like, like, I like, I always had a good time in Seattle. Yeah, it's great, great city, man, and great fans. And like I said, my first year there, man, I was getting the mist of the sneeze. Mm -hmm. So the fan support was bananas, and all eyes were on us. And we, we, my first year there, we delivered. Did you go to the market and throw the fish? I did. Everybody catch the fish. I I did. I was I about to say, I saw him do that. I, did you do that on uh, uh, my Rashad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 my first time there. Yeah, I ain't gonna hold you like I ain't do it on my own. It was like something. <laughs> right. like, they set it I, up. Yeah, they set it up. So the catch and the throw wasn't natural. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a big fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was crazy. Talking about GP, man. Um, back then, GP was was loud as ever. When we got to the league, we we heard him. Mm-hmm. No matter how packed it was, <laughs> no matter we heard him. And some people took his trash talking a, a certain way, but just just speak on just how good of a person, how good of a leader GP was. Well, I know we weren't on GP team, but we used to go to Seattle every summer and playing his game, and it's always had that bond with him, and he always been a solid, thorough one. Yeah. But tell yeah, us shout, about GP. Shout out to my big brother who's coaching now in college and, yeah. and helping young men. I was just with him at his golf tournament about uh, two and a half months ago, but – for his, all the the greatest trash talker in the history of basketball, I've heard about Bird, and I, I, I but I played with him, so yeah. there was no level of person or competitor or talent that you were that he wasn't gonna get at you. Yeah, yeah. I know y'all saw the, the Chicago Finals when he's getting an M. And yeah, so listening to him every night because we talked about my background hearing some of the stuff he was saying. Like, I'm from Old Saybrook, G from Oakland. Yeah. Now, we both competitors, so, but he brought me into some conversations sometimes that I, I had to pray my way out of. <laughs> I need to pray my way out of this because I just heard something that I know it, Ain't right. that's going to that's gonna have to be dealt with with violence. Because <laughs> the thing about my big bro, man, is like, it fueled him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fake at all, man. Like, it fueled him. Like, 
very rarely could he play a basketball game and not be in that space. Right. Matter of fact, people talk about him not practicing, right? Like in the Iverson thing about he was, the, I think he might have said on that he was the one that talked about to Allen about not practicing. But the one thing about G not practicing, he couldn't, A, because of the amount of games, but he don't have a chill gear. He don't, yeah. if he out there, he getting to he it. Play, he in, right. Y'all he get heard into of the Vernon Maxwell <laughs> practice, practice, right? Yeah. Nah. The fight between Vernon and G, like uh-huh. that, that that was in practice. Like Vernon Maxwell, Mad Max and GP in a practice, it didn't uh, that don't that sound it didn't last. Like that. <laughs> it, it, it didn't last because they all, it, escal- it escalated quickly because they're both tremendous competitors. And that's how G is, man. He doesn't have a a gear where he can go out and walk through or or, or practice. He's the most competitive, probably with the exception of M the most competitive person I've been around, man. Like, he just brought it every night. But you could appreciate it if you with, and to your point, D, like, he's a good dude. Yeah. Like, he just, that right, gear, dude. that competitive gear, once that's turned on, all bets are off. He yeah. gonna talk. Right, if you brought family, friends, girlfriend, wife, you you don't wanna get started with him because yeah. he, he gonna disregard the fact that they there. <laughs> <laughs> for the Knicks how was it how was it playing at MSG like how did you what was your experience like playing for the Knicks the Mecca man is amazing like I'll say this Q&D like I had just when I played for New York I had just went through my struggles with addiction in in Boston Mm -hmm. and I was sitting home and I got the opportunity to go back to New York that same season where I had my my struggles and, um, you know, Isaiah was there, Steph was there, Marbury was there, Allen Houston was there. But the story about the Mecca and playing in the Garden, like I had a ton of good nights there playing with Seattle and Milwaukee. But I'll tell you a Garden story that was super dope, man. Like I had struggled all year and it was well documented that I was struggling with, with alcoholism. And then I got the opportunity to come and play with the Knicks at the end of the season. We're playing against the New Jersey Nets in the playoffs and I hadn't played like the whole series. And it was game four, and, and Coach Wilkins put me in. Like, mm. you know, we, and it was a game we had to have. He finally put me in the game. Scored like maybe 10 points. It was a good game. Scored like maybe 10 points, five rebounds, but I fouled out. On my way off the court, the entire garden stood up and applauded me, man. Mm. Like, it was crazy, because I was still in a, in a fog with yeah. what I was going through, man. It was like the most surreal, one of the most surreal moments that I ever had as a basketball player because it was like they knew what I was going through. Like talking about knowledgeable. That's one thing about the Knicks fans. Like you can say what you want about them, but they know what is going on and they they real fans. They they, like, that's what you got to rock. Like, cause they'll, they could say whatever about they Knicks, but let somebody else say it. Right. It's about to go exactly. down. Like, no, I could say anything, right. but you better right. not say a right. damn word. Right, like, exactly. This is Ex- my anger, exa- not yours. Exactly. <laughs> like, and you get the love for them walking down the street. You know, you up. get the love from them. And I'm, I'm talking about to this day, man, you yeah. can go to New York and still get love as if you on the roster now. That's how New York Knicks fans that, are. That, bro, I say it all the time. My four years in New York, it was struggles, and I didn't feel like, you know, I did shit there really, but, like, to get the love and respect you get, when, like you say, we go there for, to work or do anything, and then just New Yorkers are every fucking way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like, yeah. live here in Orlando, right. like, everywhere. Everywhere. You, I've bumped in 
people from New York just in random places yeah. in the airport. Someone was like, yeah, man, loved you when you, when you were at the Knicks, man. Yeah. I'm from New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm about, that's yeah, New yeah. York be, you might be, you could be in Brazil. <laughs> someone like, yo, from New for York. Sure. Yo, like, you be yep. like, and they going to shout you out. I don't care who you are. If yep. you play for the Knicks, I don't care if you even got in the game. They going to know you play for the <laughs> exactly. team. And they going to run up on you exactly. like, yo, you get a picture, yo, you probably loved you with the Knicks. So yep. like, they gonna, then they going to say something to let you know they remembered you. They going to give you a little memory, too. Yeah, like that's what the, yep. like out of everything. Like yeah. the Knicks fans are bar none with that, bro. Like, yeah. like they flawless. Great with fans, that. great fans, man. We're in a new era, and um, back in our day, we couldn't say anything about our problems, or we mm-hmm. couldn't speak about mental health. Mm-hmm. To see how the NBA and its players then stepped up to another level of the mental side of it, or mm-hmm. what somebody's going through, or. It could be somebody in their family. You know, sometimes they don't always have to be that specific person. How proud did you see the, the guys expressing themselves in that way and, and showing the growth? Teams making sure they have an, a mental health doctor or, or somebody for, for them to talk to. Not only for them to talk to, mm-hmm. but they're not relaying a message to a team so it'll right. be penalized for them. Just somebody to just release what they need to release mentally of. How proud are you of the league and the teams to, of stepping up to a level of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm super proud, D, like that the league has, and really our country and our society has acknowledged yeah. that mental health is a real issue, yeah. in particular for professional athletes. And I'm proud of Giannis. Giannis's foundation deals with mental health and they're doing, him and Thanasis are doing wonderful work with their foundation dealing with mental health. But it's mandatory and necessary, man. Like, and I'm happy that the league has taken on this responsibility and taken action to see those players through, not just players who have the issues, but players who just are going through their day-to-day lives. Man, yeah. you give an 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, $40 million and just assume that he's going to know how to deal right. with it yeah. is in some ways absurd. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you didn't have the issues before, there's a good chance that you could get issues. And so to see that the NBA and see that people uh, like Jan and myself who are dealing with those issues, because we face, like you alluded to, D, we face these issues just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact, and add to the fact that we gotta perform at the highest level. You could be going through something and nobody cares. They just want the numbers. You dig, like when I was going through my situation in Seattle, I had just signed a max deal at the time. Mm-hmm. I signed for 80 million bucks. And nobody, I can't tell anybody I just, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Right. They want the numbers. Mm-hmm. They want the performance. I, I won't say the team or, or the situation, but I remember talking to a doctor one time and I was going through my situation, true story. And um, he was like, you know, we taking a look at your body and your, your body's, is telling us different than what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like you have an issue according to your body. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, cause you know, I'm thinking I'm living the lie trying to, yeah. at the time. And I'm like, really? He was like, yeah, I'm, we're looking at your, your liver function, all that yeah. stuff. I was like, nah, doc, true story. He says to me, he's like, look, you start playing better. All this is not a thing. Yeah. What? I, I kid you not, Q, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm like, huh? Like real, that's a real story. And so back to the original point, like to have people 
the NBA and athletes come out and say, I'm dealing, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with this and have not only the, the help there, but the hope that you can overcome it is mandatory. Yeah. yeah. And it gives athletes the opportunity, because I was afraid to come out and say, look, I got a problem, something's going on with me. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't a thing to do. Yeah. But now it's a thing to say, I'm struggling. Yeah. You know, so you, yeah. that you can get the appropriate and necessary help. Yeah. One thing uh, I just remember as a league and whole, once Jose Canseco came out with the steroid thing for baseball, they checked all the leagues. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of guys was really tree. They really weren't drinking as mm -hmm. much as they was mm -hmm. because you took the one test at the beginning of the year and then you was kind of free to do whatever Maybe you want. Jose right. did that. But then when they started making guys, no matter if you're a veteran or not, take them four tests, a lot of guys was really abusing that alcohol that was, like yeah. a whole lot. Myself isn't mm -hmm. included because I was on a, a horrible team, so it was like, shit, I might as well go and get me a drink. We, didn't get, we got our ass kicked right. anyway. Mm -hmm. But just like I, I'm just so proud of the league. I'm so proud of the players because that's a lot because you always want to look like the most powerful and the most sane person in the room every time, especially when you got all these fans looking up to you, you sign the autographs and all that. But to come out and be vulnerable, absolutely, you know, not and not yep. scared to be yep. vulnerable, yep, or not scared to be vulnerable in front of my man, because oh, he might think I'm weak, right? Because right. I'm doing this or I'm being vulnerable with him, uh, it's a blessing. It is, man. You know, it is in, like in to describe. show strength and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Like there's strength in it, because we all like. Matter of fact, I think like in some ways, when you show the vulnerability or that you can be vulnerable because of what you mentioned, D. That like this super strength and these superpowers and this super money that we have, people think we can't go through certain Anything. things. Yeah. To me, yeah. it's exacerbated when you get all those things that come along with your super talent. So it, to your point, D, like the vulnerability to me, man, like when I was able to, to say that I, when I finally got to a point was where I was like, man, I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. That's when the strength and the power happened. Like I was able to like not have somebody else tell it, Right, media tell it because that that make you like it makes you it worse. Yeah. But when you can say it yourself, that I'm vulnerable, I got an issue, then you can start dealing with it, and then you can start helping other people. Yeah, most definitely. How did you uh, come up with the Stand Tall Foundation, and then you got the Van Baker Recovery Center in Milwaukee? So I moved the Stand Tall to the Bouncing Back Foundation. It was Stand Tall when I was in the league. Okay. And then um, I went through what I went through, so it turned to Bouncing Back. Okay, I had to no, bounce I like back. That. Yeah, yeah, so, I like so that. it's the Bouncing Back Foundation. And, and then I got this great opportunity, man. I met some wonderful folks, Charles Rogers, Charles Ray, and Michael Errico, and they have a company called Addiction Medical Solutions. So next April 17th, I'll celebrate 14 years of sobriety. Mm, and so when yes. I got back to Milwaukee, thanks to you, when I got back to Milwaukee and I had this, this great platform, man, like I'm with the Bucks, number one team in basketball, won a championship. Now I could have taken this coaching gig and this opportunity with the Bucks and just rolled off into the sunset. But I knew that I had been given this platform and this opportunity to go back and help people who have gone through what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. And so by the grace of God, I met people who, cause I had told the story a ton, my book, God and Starbucks, a lot of articles written, but I wanted to not only take over the narrative of my story to help people with the testimony, but then I wanted to have the opportunity to provide the hope and help. 
So next month, we're going to open up the first Vin Baker Recovery Center in Milwaukee, mm. and we're going to be able to serve a thousand, help a thousand people a month in this intense outpatient center. And man, out of all the stuff we talked about, Q, D, like this is the most epic thing I've ever been a part of because when you talk about legacy and leaving a legacy, the sport thing is cool. Yeah. But when you can change lives, change lives yeah. and families, man, that's mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. So I, I'm blessed and I appreciate you talking about that, Q. So I'm blessed to not only turn my trial and tribulation into an opportunity to be back in the league and mentor basketball players, but I'm blessed now with an opportunity to get into our society, our community, yeah. and get people sober and living life on life terms, which is, it changes families, it changes generations. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about, man. Yeah, it's always a blessing, you know. I feel like when you get at a certain age, it's your responsibility to give back, especially if you experienced so much stuff. 100%. Before, when you was going through what you was going through and you, you got the call to be with the Bucks and they want to bring you back and bring around. Yeah. You know, sometimes when a guy go through something, he's looked at like, yeah, I'm not finna bring him around all, all these good people because of the influence and so forth on. Yeah. But to have an organization be like, nah, he want our own and we want to bring him in the fold and we want to bring him to these guys. We want the guys to see him, him give the knowledge. Yeah. How was that and what you felt about the Bucks organization since then? Man, I'm so blessed from ownership and Peter Fagan and John Horseman and and the players, Giannis, Chris, Brooke, Bobby, on down the line, man. Like, to your point, Q, it was hard, man. Like, once you go through that, that stigma, once yeah. you're labeled as yeah. The guy who was an alcoholic, who lost his career, who lost everything, it's hard as hell to build trust again. Because mm-hmm. you get, I, I was sober, right. but it's like, who wants that story around? Mm-hmm. Like, what can he, outside of the story, what can he do for Giannis and Brooke and Bobby outside yeah. of that? You don't really see that from the dollars and cents in the platform that the NBA is. So it wasn't overnight. You know, I had to come in and build trust again, and they gave me an opportunity. Like, my first job was uh, pre and post game mm-hmm. um, with the Bucks. but Jay Kidd was the head coach at the time when I came back to the Bucks. So I was doing pre and post game, but Jay had me around the gym all the time. Right. You know, J- Jay saw the value in having me in the gym. And then um, I got to, like, any basketball, like, y'all are savants, I learned the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my first couple years, true story, man, I, I rarely spoke to Giannis, like, my first year. Right. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to establish trust. And I, went, I just, I didn't, yeah, I didn't just want to dive in. And plus his game wasn't back to the basket at the time. Right. Anyway, I couldn't say nothing to his game at yeah. the time. Because <laughs> right. He was doing stuff cute that I'd never seen before. <laughs> so, so me teaching the fadeaway wasn't even an option right. when I first got there. Yeah. But, um. Getting the opportunity to build trust with these dudes, man. And believe it or not, when you go through something, man, and you and you overcome it, you have more strength and power. Mm-hmm. That saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah. When I came back to the Bucks, man, they gave me the opportunity. I felt empowered mm-hmm. that I had overcome this obstacle, man. And so, you know, it gave me a chance to start mentoring. Before I became a coach, I was, I was mentoring mm-hmm. because, you know, they knew the story. Talk about the relationship with Giannis, like just the type of person he is. You know, we've all seen this story and heard how he's come up and just to be able to see him and all that he does. And my thing that I like about him is that 
he got one gear. He go hard. He don't, like, that's what, out of everything, you know, he's got all of those different times. But the thing that I appreciate the most is that he's a dude that's going to bring it every single night. He's going to be playing every game, and he's going to go hard. Like, how refreshing is it for you to see that type of mentality in the superstar, you know what I'm saying, that you get to see close up personal like that? It's amazing, you because he's a great person. Mm-hmm. He's a better person than he is a basketball player. And that's almost impossible to say, given the talent and the accolades that he's accumulated over his, his short career. He's only 28 years old. Right. But he's a great person, man. Like, So to be around him and to be with him, I shouldn't say be around him, but to be with him on a day-to-day basis, we have a lot of similarities, man. We care about people. He's a whole culture, man. Yeah. Like, he, he's a culture. Like, I haven't been around superstars in the league as a coach. I've just been around him, but he's a culture, man. Like, he's the first in the gym and the last out of the gym. He's focused. He's a family man. So just to be with him and be around him and um, talk basketball, talk life with him, it's crazy because I think my career was probably over, like, because of the addiction in, like, five, six years in the league, although I got 13 out of it. Mm-hmm. So to get this opportunity to come back and coach him in a weird kind of way, I'm living vicariously through him. Through him. Mm-hmm. And he allows me to live vicariously mm-hmm. through him. So a lot of people think because I'm there and been a part of the organization for the last seven years, I'm, I, yeah, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's like my kid, man. Like, but he's one of one, man. Like I was saying, he's a culture. And the way he goes about his business on the court, in the weight room, off the court, he cares about people, too, which is very rare. I've never been around a superstar that cares about people as much as he does. We were in Indiana. Just one story, like we were in Indiana a couple years ago, and I asked him prior to to the game if I could get these sneakers for a kid that was terminally ill with cancer. And I hate to ask him mm-hmm. but this kid it was a request that came in that this kid was 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 not in a good space with with his cancer and so we were playing indiana man he was going crazy and the game got close and i was like man i'm not gonna ask him after the game we lose this is a wrap right <laughs> right yeah. so he goes crazy we end up winning the game by like two or three and um like immediately immediately he leaned like this is like eight hours later i thinking he's going to go to the locker room. Immediately he looks at me and is like pointing, like, where's the kid at? Takes a, that, That's just the type of dude yeah, he is, man. Like, his, uh, cares about his family, cares about his organization. As y'all can see, with him si- re-signing with Milwaukee in the, in the last yeah. month or so, he cares about the city of Milwaukee, cares about his teammates. And, and his legacy at this point, man, he wants to win championships, man. He wants to, he wants to be... He, up there with, he doesn't have a a place where he wants to be, but he wants to throw two or three championships out there and and let everybody debate it after that. So the dude is, the dude is locked in, man. We're, the city is fortunate. I'm fortunate to be a part of something and and that that somebody's actually locked into their legacy. We're we're all fortunate to be a part of it. I know he's one of one. You've seen a lot of basketball. Who, who would you compare Giannis to? So I would have to, I would have to combine players. Okay. Yeah. So he's got Pippins, like when Pippin, you know, when Pippin get it off the rim, mm-hmm. 
and Pip is into that, yeah. just getting going coast to coast. Mm-hmm. There was really nobody who could really stop him. But then he has the athleticism and force of Sean. Sean Kemp. Yeah. So if you add, you do Sean and Pip with length and athleticism and force with Sean, that's who you got, man. Yeah. Like, he's relentless. Like he's a type. He's his mindset is '90s. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you're there and then I'm, I'm going to run over you or I'm going to Euro you. Yeah. It's funny because sometimes I watch and practice. You know, I, I watch and practice. I used When I first got there, I used to be like, how would I deal with this? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we competitors, like yeah. how would I deal with it? And I'm yeah. in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I'm going to need the wall. That, that wall that they talk about. Yeah. Like, yeah, we going to need the wall. So, yeah. yeah, but he's, he's, he's a phenomenal Especially talent. Especially when he gained that momentum. He, he gets oh, it's, dribbling, it's, it's, he coming. It's like, yeah. Yeah. it's lights out. Yeah, it's lights out. <laughs> how was it for you, you know, being a part of the organization, you a coach, and I know you don't really, you know, we – People may think we know, but like, when did you find out like that y'all was about to make the deal and the deal was done for Dame to come to the team? And, how, and like, what was your thinking when it when it happened? It was crazy because Aaron and Eric Goodwin, my my agents, I was in Oakland with GP at his golf event. I mm-hmm. saw Aaron Goodwin, mm-hmm. and me and AG talked. Never mentioned it. Right. <laughs> Literally a week later, Dame was a buck. It hurt me from the standpoint. That Drew. I love Drew Holiday. Yeah, I, love Drew. I spent the whole, you know, week in California with him this summer, salted the earth. But interestingly enough, Dame Lillard, salted the earth. Right. Great dude, man. Yeah. Like an awesome, awesome person. I've been around him now for a few months. And I've, I've known Dame through Eric and Aaron. But, I mean, like anybody else, we just added a 32 ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like we, we just added added a 32 and ball. logo and, shooting. It, right. And, the, and, the and then he comes in. Closer. Man, he really, yeah, he Can we play, we played Philadelphia in our first game. Yeah. Went for 40. Yeah. yeah. So it's different, like, from the coaching side of it, man, to see this dude, like, at some points of the game, he's just unguardable. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and um, He's just a special spec. He's one of those ones, man. And Straight up. Cool. I, I I joked with some people the other day. I said, I've been around a lot of cool brothers, man, like in my lifetime. Cool, I've been around so. Dame for four months. Dame I said, Dollar, I think man. I want to be Dame Dollar. <laughs> Dollar <man. laughs> I think it's I want to cool. be Dame Dollar. I think Super I want to rap cool. like this. I think I want to <laughs> He walked through. He boxed everything. I said, I think I want to be Dame Dollar. <laughs> I don't know what's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coaching him, but I, wanna, right. I think I want to be him for a day. Right. <laughs> Let me ask you this. In Milwaukee, we used to play at the, the center. They used to have that. But now they didn't build like restaurants, they done built this whole new arena. It kind of gives downtown Milwaukee this whole different vibe than what it used to be before. Tell us how it was when you was playing and you playing in the center. Remember we had to take that long walk? Like the Deer District or whatever out there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Now, yeah. like they can be outside, they got the big screen, they got the restaurants, they didn't revamp the whole downtown for real. It's beautiful and it's amazing to see, like, how is that to just see how the city then flipped and changed and they just put into the city? Yeah, it's crazy, D. Like, shout out to Peter Fagan and the ownership and, yeah. and of course, Giannis for pulling this. But Milwaukee's a vibe, man. Yeah. Like, to your point, D, like, the Deer District is a real thing. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like you, I go around cities and I'm like, if you if you just come to the Deer District, like, most, which most teams do, they yeah. just come to the hotel, the new trade hotel and, and they're there. Like Milwaukee hits like any other city. Like yeah. it's got a beautiful new 
arena, beautiful places to eat down yeah. downtown. But the cool, I think the cool part about it's very rare for me because I played there now. I coached there. Nobody knows me as Vin Baker around the city. They know me as Coach Baker. Right. Mm-hmm. Like coach. It'd be coach. I think like 90% of the people don't even know I played there. <laughs> right. Because right? yeah. it's it's like a it's like a, you know, obviously the success of the team and, and Giannis and Chris and Brooke and Bobby and Pat, it's a vibe down there now, man. So it's yeah. it's much different. I could walk the streets of Milwaukee in, in 93 to 97 and nobody bothered me and say anything to me about anything because right. we weren't very good. But now it's a vibe there, man. Milwaukee's yeah, I, a vibe. I feel like, you know, back in the day when we used to play, it was Milwaukee just seemed so old school. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I'm saying with it. But me previous doing a charity event down there, and I went down there, and I actually seen it personally, seen the whole dish. Yeah. I was like, "Crazy! This is so nice! Yeah. Like, like yeah. the food, all the restaurants, yeah. the people. It's a vibe. It's, a, it's an everyday thing down yeah. there from it. Yeah, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. And now we're not like second to the Packers. Yeah, you know, it, Milwaukee, the Bucks are a vibe, and not second to Chicago. Yeah. How, how was that for you to be able to experience that championship though? Like that had to be out of this world, surreal, man. Like. To win a champ, like I, every box basketball wise, I had checked as a player, like Olympian, made it to All Star games, made it to the playoffs, never did anything. But to win a championship was the pinnacle of my career. Now I didn't do it with my sneakers squeaking, right? But I was there, like yeah. on the sideline, and it, it's the top of the food chain when it comes to winning yeah. the city. The journey, like winning, winning a world championship, getting to the finals. Yeah, it's hard. Kudos to, to the MJ and LeBron. These dudes have done it multiple times, yeah. man. It is a, it is a journey, man. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to enjoy it in the city that drafted me with fans and friends and the organization, man, was surreal, man. Like you got a you, Milwaukee you, Bucks ring. Got a Milwaukee. My mom has my ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you to have one, it was it's just amazing. Crazy. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Start, bench, trade. You got to start one, bench one, trade one. Start one. Uh, okay. Kemp, Malone, and Barkley. Who do you man, start? Who do that. you bench? Who do you trade? Love, 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 love that question. So my favorite power forward of all time, the one I feared the most, Sean Kemp. Start one. Bench Carl and trade Charles. Trade Charles. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that, okay. <laughs> all Hall of Famers. Yeah, all all, Hall all of due famous. respect to what, oh, just yeah, answering the question. That's yeah, why we yeah. say trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to <laughs> Out of all the teams that you done played for, all the teammates you had in the NBA, if you had to pick four other players to make you a five, you at the center and you had to pick you four other players, what would be your, your, your five? Man, I'm going GP at the one, mm-hmm. Ray Allen at the two, mm-hmm. about Ray. Uh, Paul Pierce at the three, GP. myself at the four, and I, I got to go with you. I'm trying to think who I play, make sure. I play with Beast, I play with Patrick, but I play with Patrick in Seattle. No uh-huh. matter, you can stay Prime Pat, do you still? I take Prime Pat. So Pat, that's you. a five. That's a five. Mm. That's a fucking five. Ooh, yeah. Paul. GP, Paul, and Ray Allen. That's, that's a nice two. five. That's a nice five. That's a nice five. All right. right so you know, we know you from 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 small town, 
in Connecticut and all that, and we don't, we don't want to hear what you did for Pops and Mom. I'm talking about when you got, because you done got an 80-piece, big, big, big bag. I want to know, I want to hear something that you did that you look back like, what the hell was I doing? Like, when you got that bag of money, because we all did something wild. Like, I don't know whether it was a crazy yeah, chain, yeah, 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 a yeah. car, but like, what, what did Vin do when you got the bag? Yeah, you know what's crazy, Q? The one thing I would say, the one crazy thing I got was, before Hummers became Hummers. Oh, you got the real one. I got the real one. The Tupac Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get tricked out the real one? With the, with, the, with, the, with the TVs and the, and yeah, the visor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the PlayStation when I'm riding, right. playing TV. <laughs> Who plays PlayStation in the visor? We like, had it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about, dude. Yeah. So the, the, the Hummer with the, the the real one, the Army Hummer, was what I, was, was what I got, got first. got the real tank. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me how, how proud are you to have, you know, your daughter being a part of the uh, the Virginia Tech women's basketball program. And, yeah. you know, the women's basketball is booming right now, yeah. blowing up in, in real time right now. Like, how ball. proud are you to have your daughter, you know, following your footsteps, hooping and, you know, obviously doing it to a certain level, level where she'll uh, get a scholarship to V-Tech? Yeah, I mean, super dope, man, to have Karis be, you know, on the Virginia Tech. They played last night. She was one for one and played 13 minutes to be playing on a ranked team. I mean, she's, as we alluded to, she light years ahead of where I was when mm -hmm. I was, you know, 19 years old. But it, it's super. I'm proud of all my kids. Man, my oldest son, Vin Jr., is playing in Denmark. And and so, but to have Karis on be on a national stage, I think she's going to be tremendous. She's already claiming the title as being the best basketball player in the family. Okay. So yeah. she's got to, she's got to jump <laughs> on me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being selected to the USA team, getting the opportunity to play with the USA team, all of us, it's like you want to win a championship, you want to play with the USA team, you want to make the All-Star game. How was it when you heard that, like, hey, I can be a part of the USA team? I mean, oh, just kind of the same as a little bit different being able to represent your country, country. is different, man. Like, again, you can make an All-Star game game you can even make all NBA but to have the opportunity to be a part of a team that only 12 to 14 of us are selected yeah you know Tim Duncan Alonso Morning Vince Carter yeah. Ray Allen GP Jason Kidd like you talking about the elite of the elite at the time in the league so to be on that team and be KG, sele KG uh, uh. be selected on that team was over the top my, like one of my greatest moments of being a basketball player had nothing to do with me scoring. I get to tell people I was there for the dunk. I was the just dunk. about to ask. I was there for the dunk. I was there for the dunk. What, was, what uh, was that yeah. like? That was. Q, I'm going to be honest with you because you're my little bro, right? My initial reaction, everybody in the world, I'm probably the one person in the world who's like, that's some bull crap. <laughs> because it, you got to look at the footage. Like, Olympic points are hard to come by. Yeah. So I, I got the steal. Yeah. Tipped it to whoever. And did this to Vince. I pointed. Yeah. As he, true story. As he got, yeah. And went to, and, and did the, and did this the, get the true, place. wait till you see it, you, and did this and did the gather D. And then, and then he, he did, yeah, I thought he was going to throw it up. 
and and that did not happen. I give Vince Carter hell about that to this day. Like that was some selfish mess that you pulled off. <laughs> you could have threw that we, to we, get your boy. We needed that. We needed I did, that. Though. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> I go and I played it off after I screamed too. But my initial reaction, I was like, "That's some bullcrap." What you just did, bro. Seriously, that's one of the most selfish things I've ever how seen. Was the, how, how was the locker room after the game? And like, how was just like the team like oh, after that amazing. dunk? Like, cause I know they they showed it like, like it was just that's one of the best dunks ever in the history of the game. Yeah, no, it was it was crazy. You know, you seen KG, yeah, you know, KG. you know KG and yeah, you know KG energy, man. K, KG's energy, it was it was crazy, man. Like, it was just. But the thing is, we didn't realize it was going to be so historical. Right. Yeah, at the, the time. moment. You know, you you had some of the greats in the locker room, but it was it was crazy, man. Like at that moment, we hadn't really known what he did until we saw it on the video. Yo, I gotta go back and watch the footage. I gotta find it's this. a true story. <laughs> you gonna die laughing? I asked for. The, I gathered myself and asked for the live. My initial reaction: That's crazy. That's crazy. You ain't throw that, V. Let me ask you this: Like, cause like, y'all USA team is one of my favorite USA team mm -hmm. too. How was the practices? Oh, man. Like, because, like, y'all had hitters. And they were talking yeah. about Vince Carter was the last one to get picked. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, quick, a quick funny story, D. We were in um, Hawaii. That was where our training camp was, Q. And me and Zoe, I love Alonso Warner, man. And we had, we had some battles in our career. And so now we're on the same team. But our training camp was in Hawaii, and you've heard about Olympic practices. The first two or three, they just roll the ball up, right, and you get yeah. to it. And uh, this one particular practice in Hawaii, I got to it. Like, it was like I was going. And uh, Tim Hardaway was on that, that team, mm -hmm. too. And so the next morning, yesterday, Chicago, you know Timmy. So Tim get on the bus the next morning. I'm, I'm not thinking any. I know I got to it, yeah. right? And it was really kind of me. Last, it was, right? Yeah, it was kind of me and Zoe locked up a little bit. But I'm not thinking, we teammates. So I yeah. get on the bus the next morning, and all I can hear Timmy say, yeah, you know Timmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at that ass today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what happened yesterday? I'm like, yeah, he really freaking attention to That's him, yeah. And sure enough, sure enough Zo got to it that day. So yeah. it was cool, man. Like the practices were intense. But you know, I had I had GP with me too. Yeah. So it was super intense, but it was super dope, man. All being on one cause though it's cool let me ask you this your team at the u.s your, your usa team where do you rank your usa team out of all the usa teams man it's kind of like you know you have you have the dream team with jordan yep. you got dream team two you got the redeem team yep. you got where do you rank that team yeah amongst them historically d it's got to be in the top seven because you you're talking about duncan KG, mm -hmm. Peyton, Kid, yeah. Ray Allen. Like, if you really go to, if you're doing like just lineup yeah. and not results, you're talking about Hall of Famers. On, I'm not, not talking about the first team, yeah. but you could probably go pound for pound or guy for guy um, the up there with them. the best of them. Yeah. And, and, and if you're talking about who's going to compete against who, like KG, Duncan, and Zoe on the front line. Yeah. We can get with pretty much anybody. Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Smitty. Allen Houston. Allen Houston. It was, we yeah. had some some guys. We had some go-getters on the squad. That's what's up. Man, we appreciate it, Thank man. This you. is super dope, man. Yeah, the OG, yeah, man. Van Thank Baker, you. pulling up on us, Family, man. man. Happy. Jordan brother. For sure. Yes, sir. <laughs>
Yes, sir. Family. I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads Podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. Players Tribune.com